0: Poh and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Daf We are now to vote Daf Pei Amud Bet, and this podcast will be relatively long. We're going to cover the entire sugya of Shomeret Yavam, which begins with Mishnayot, Vav, Zain and Chet, in the middle of Pe Amud Bet, and that covers the Mishnayot to the end of the Perak, and then the attendant discussion, which will take us to the end of the Perak, and the Gemara at Pei Bet Amud Bet at the bottom. Shomer um, By the way, on the handout, it's helpful to note at the back of the handout, on the bottom of the second page, I included the relevant halachot from the Rambam where, as always, he is uh, crystal clear and uh, just the very ideal of... Uh, of of clarity. Shomer shnaflu la nechasim. So we have a Shomer Yavam, meaning a woman who is whose husband is died, she's waiting to see what the disposition relative to the brothers is. And at that point she gets Nechasim and this cuts back to the sixth parak, where Bait Betilal disagreed about an Arusah's right Lachathilah to sell. Uh, but here they agree. She's allowed to sell it. She's allowed to give it away. It's a valid sale, etc. Now, Mehta, What if she dies? As a shomer yevav, what happens to her k'tuba, which is still sitting there from the first husband, and with the nixemolug that is still sitting, waiting for disposition? But it Shama says it's very simple. That the both of the parties involved, which is the heirs of the dead husband. Uh, which are the brothers, or his father, and the heirs of, from her father's side, from, from her parental family, divide all of that property equally. He says everything just stays where it is. So the k'tuba stays with the Yorshay because that's where the property, uh, the the was, and stay with her parental family. Now, that's the first mishnah. Let's say that the brother, the dead brother, left metaltalin, uh, left uh, money, cash, uh, in his estate, and that. Cash now comes over with the Shamarit Yavam to the Yavam who's going to marry her. So what do we do with any of the cash, any of the metaltalin that are in the property of the of the dead brother? They come now to the Yavam. Karka is bought with it because all of this money in a sense belongs to her because it is all Mishuabad to the Ktubah. Uh, and there, and it's bought, and then the husband eats perot. Perot karka, karka, This, we will see whether or not there's a dispute about this, but if there are perot that are disconnected from the ground, same thing. Now, hamuchubarin ba karka, what if their perot that are still in the ground? shamin otan, fin fin We just had the same machloket earlier. We estimate what the value of the land is with and without Perot, and obviously it's worth more with Perot. And what the difference is, so if she got land that was worth $100,000, but now that it's laden with food, it's worth $150,000, effectively the husband of the Avam has now gotten 50000 in Metaltolin that he then must convert into Karka for Perot. That's all Rabbi Meir. Uh, bakarka, Anything that's connected to the ground belongs to him. Now, this is a very difficult position. We'll see um, towards the end of the podcast, uh, that we will reread the Mishnah. min that which is disconnected from the ground. Now, this does not mean that it's hefker to everybody, but it means. If the avam grabs this stuff first, then it's his. If, on the other hand, the yivama, grabs it first, then it becomes her possession. It's as if she brought Maot into the marriage. We, we take it, we buy karka with it, and he eats Perot. Um, okay, now kinsan. the minute that the, the Yavam marries her, and it's something we saw throughout Yavamot, ki now she is his wife for every single purpose, with one exception of Tubatanak except for one thing, which is that the ketubah is taken from the estate of the first husband who married her, and not from the yavam who took her in. But otherwise, she is like a wife. If stuff falls to her now that she's married, it's the husband's. She, if she sells it, the sale's invalid, etc., etc. Now, loyomarla, the husband, the yavam, should not say to her, Here, here's the amount of money that I owe you that is owned from the ketubah. It's yours. Hold on to it. To keep it. If something happens, you've got it. But that's not what we do. Rather, everything that he owns is a guarantee against the Ktubah, Even if he owns a million dollars and the ketubah is a hundred dollars, both exaggerations. The same thing a man should not say with his regular wife. I know not a yivama. To say, here, here's your ktubah money, it's sitting on the table, we'll live happily forever af- happily ever after together, but if something happens, there's the money. Rather, everything he owns is a guarantee against the ktubah. Now, Gersha, this goes back to the Ishomeret Yavam, if he divorces Ishomeret Yavam, means he was Miyabim her, and then divorced her, Eynla all she gets out of that is the ketubah, and the rest of the property now becomes free. In other words, he's got a million dollars worth the property. Every one of that, any bit of that property is subservient or is held against her ketubah. However, once he divorces her and pays her the $20,000 of the ketubah, whatever it may be, the rest is now free and clear. What if he takes her back? If he takes her back, then it's a regular case where she only has a claim on the Ktubah. In other words, a Yavam is in kind of a curious position, because since the brother died, and the brother when he was married to the wife, had all of his property for the Ktubah, that came with all of its property that came over. Now, the, the Yavam's own personal property isn't affected by this, but the but the brother's property that comes now to the Avam, because remember, he's the sole heir of the brother as the Avam, uh, all of that property is held. What happens if he divorces her? He pays her to buy. Now the rest of the property is his, as an inheritance, and it's free. What happens if he remarries her? Then it's a normal case of a man marrying a woman where that particular amount is uh, is set aside for the tubai, and the husband can certainly wheel and deal with the rest of his property if he wants to. That's the Mishnah, Mishnayot. Now Ibai Elohu, the first question asked as follows Shomer Diavam Shemeta Mikovra. Shomer Vam dies while waiting for Yibum. Who is responsible to bury her? Remember, if she was an Almanah, then it would be her heirs, it would be her parental family perhaps. If it was if she was married, then it'd be her husband, obviously, as a Khiva Kfura. Now Yoshea Baal Kavrila, do we say that the husband's heirs are responsible? To because after all, they inherited the Tuba as per Beit Hillel's ruling, and therefore, since Tuba and Kura go one against the other, as we saw in the fourth parak, they should they should bury her. Or perhaps it is the heirs of her parental family who should bury her. Because after all, they're the ones who inherit back the nechse that the father gave to her. comes back to them. Maybe they should bury her. Amar avam toshma. have a breita. Shomer tevam shemeta. If we have a shomer tevam that died. Yerusha. Meaning, Yerusha is plural. She has multiple yorshim. Meaning, sheik tubata. So it then clarifies. Meaning, it is the husband's family who are keeping the they are the ones who are responsible to bury her. He said, we have a breitah like that that says, And almana is always fed, while she's on the estate, from the property of the heirs. And whatever the wages she makes goes to them. But they are not obligated if she dies to bury her. That's so got to come from some other fund. Now, your your Rather, the heirs who are inheriting her tubah." are the ones who have to bury her. What did that mean? So we've suddenly switched tracks in the middle, and we're talking about a different kind of an almanah, not a standard one. What kind of an almanah is it that has multiple sets of yoshim? That's a yavam, and we see that in the case of a shemret yavam, where her Yerusha is being split in two different directions, it's those that inherit her ketubah, the hainu, the husband's family, who are responsible to bury her. Now, Amarafa rafa challenges the ruling and he says velema acha nikover why doesn't the avam say look i'm inheriting from my brother's stuff i'm not i wasn't married to her she died before i was able to be miabim her why should i have to bury her so amarafa says because we say back to him, we come and attack him from two points. And two points doesn't mean there's two different challenges. It means we give him basically an alternative, and either alternative is not going to work to his benefit with that argument. If you're inheriting from your brother, so then you inherit also that responsibility. After all, you're getting the ktubah, You're inheriting that, so you should bury the wife. If you refuse to bury her, then you take to So pay the ketubah to her family, and then they'll use it to bury. But you can't. Burn that candle, both that you can't grab both the ends of that stick. Now, Amarle, so Rava says, I understand, Matt, this is what I meant to say. The guy could have said, Here we go. Rava says, I anticipated that. The brother could say, Look, I'm inheriting from my brother, I'm not going to bury his wife. And ve'imishum ktubah, if you're going to argue what you did argue about ktubah, likvot After all, a ktubah is not able to be collected while the husband is alive. We'll see why in a moment. But since the ktubah is not able to be collected while the husband is alive, that means that the woman was never zochah until brother died. At which point I inherited from him, and at that point. Uh, the inheritance becomes mine, and, um, and, uh, and I'm not, I have no responsibility to, uh, to, to, to bury her. Now, where do we know that a, ketubah is not liable for collection before, before death? Let's see. Uh, man shamat le, de midrash ketubah. We get it from what we call midrash ketubah. We noticed this earlier in Yavamot, we've seen it a couple of times in Masachi khtubot where we have seen the wording of the shtar, of the ketubah, and and expounded on it, and, and read it very carefully and rigorously, and inferred halachot from it. That's called Midrash Ktuba. So who is it who reads it that way? We'll see who it is. It's Beit Shammai. Right? Beit Shammai, uh, take a look at Rashi here. Uh, Beit Shammai says that um, um, that in Masachat uh, Yivamot, it says that, after all, since the wording of the Ketubah is, when you marry another, you will take what you, uh, what you are owed. Therefore, if she comes and claims, based on her own testimony, my husband died at the end of the vamot. she's given the Ketubah because that because that's fulfilled. And Beit Shammai read it that way because they inferred from the Ketubah. So that means that Beit Shammai is the one who would say, Aha, you see, based on the wording of the Ketubah, that the Ketubah is not able to be collected while the husband is alive. Good. So then Vishamin Beit Shama, and we know that Beit Shammai are also the opinion who made the Gvotka a star that's going to be collected we consider already collected, which means Ravah has sort of tied himself in a knot, because he has picked up the position of Beit Shammai that says we can infer from the language of the Tuba that it's not collectible until death. However, that's not really true because Beit Shammai also says explicitly, and we'll see a relatively at length, uh support for this position hold that a star that is going to be collected, we consider it already collected, which means that this Ktuba in the case of the of the Yavama, was really already as of or collected, which means she's really the mukhsak in the ktubah. Which means that if the guy says, I'm going to inherit the ktubah, but I'm not going to bury her, he really is being unfair and unjust. Now let's see where Rechamai says this. Ditnan. This is the Masachat Sota. And if a, a woman, who is a suspected uh, sota is brought to Mikdash, but before being able to drink, her husband dies. And her husband has to be there in order, has to be part of this ceremony. If he dies, there's no more drinking. Uh, the Beit Shammai says they collect their tuba, because right? there's no proof that they've done anything wrong, and you can't, that she can't drink, and she's free to go. Beit Hillel says, no, you either drink, and if you refuse to drink the Mehmarim, then you don't get your Ktubah. Now, wait a second, how could Beit Hillel say that they have an option of drinking? I look at Pasut number one on the page. It says that the man has to bring his wife, and he's not there. Right? What is Beit Hilo really saying? Since they are not able to drink because the husband's dead, therefore they do not get the ktubah. And Beit Shammai says they're not drinking, but they do get the k'tuba. What's the machloket? After all, we have a sefek whether or not she deserves the ktubah or not. Sefek if she had an affair or not. How can we say that her safek claim on the Ktubaha allows her to collect money that is vadai in the possession of the husband's family? <coughs> the answer is because uh, Beit Shamai holds that a star that is slated for collection, it's like it's already collected, which means the minute that this woman got married, the k'tubah, she's already the murzake piktubah. Which means that now, we're going to say, you, the heirs of the husband, have to prove that I did have the affair before you deprive me of the ketubah. That's Beit Shammai's position. Good. Now, now, going back to our original position but wait a second you can argue that a ktubah is collectible is considered collected while the husband's alive because it's Omedlik vote. but remember part of the condition where we started from was that the language of the ktubah is when you marry another then you'll collect it and that certainly hasn't happened yet after all the, woman, the, the husband died and she, there's no kids and there's a brother there so that's not even uh, on the table uh, so the answer is, mm-hmm. the fact that she is ready to marry this yavam and have yibum, that is ke'acher. So it's the, the star really was omitted. Vote. All right. Good. So now shaloch li biad rav Shmaya So he asked the question. But let's go back to the original argument. That uh, that the ketubah is. You're Abaya, You're trying to disprove my position that the brother could say I'm inheriting and I'm not going to to bury her by saying that after all I'm building that on Beit Shammai and Beit Shammai is the one who says that it is Kagavuidami idami and she's the muchzak. Since when is that the case? Rabbi Rabbi Abba Omer I asked Sumchus the following question. Let's say that a guy, a Yavam, who wants to do business with the dead brother's property, um, and now he's having, what does he do? In Kohenhu, and the problem with the Kohen here is that if he divorces his wife, he can't marry her back. So if he's a Kohen, Ya'ses Suudah he should make a big party, make his wife happy, and then while his wife's happy, ask her to agree to let him do some business with the property. In Yisrael who, if he's a Yisrael, he has a simpler solution, which is Megaresh let him divorce his wife, and then bring her back, and while she's divorced, she has no claim on the property. In other words, he'll take the particular section that belongs to the Ketubah and pay her, and then, the rest of the property will be available for him to buy and sell and invest, and then he can marry back and give a regular ktubah. Now, that means that, um, the ktubah is something that he's able to pay, uh, to pay out. Now, watch this. If you would claim, that the woman could theoretically collect the k'tuba earlier, So why doesn't the brother, the avam here, why doesn't he just set aside a certain amount and say, okay, that field over there, that's your ktubah, you can collect from there, and I can, we don't deal with the rest of it. I got five fields for my brother. I'm one of them, I'll set aside for the k'tuba. So you can ask the same question, you can ask the same question on our Mishnah, which is, our Mishnah at the end. The husband's not allowed to say, here's your ktubah waiting for you on the table. Rather, everything he owns is achary for the ktubah. So the answer is, Hatam <laughs> in the case of the Mishnah, we're giving an tova, good piece of advice that you shouldn't designate a particular piece. Because what happens if it gets lost? You have to write another tubah. Rather, everything should be Yahray. That's an etzat tubah. That's a a good idea, a good piece of advice for the husband, but not necessarily an obligation. That's how we might read it. All right. The If you say if you don't say that, that's the case. Say shochan el That uh, in the end of the Mishnah, where he said a person should not say the same thing. The, the same thing a person should not say to his wife either. Every, uh, here's your ktubah, but rather everything he owns is achrayim. What a husband can't sell any of his property while he's married because it's all achrei to the ktubah. It's just giving an eitzet. The seifah is talking about a regular marriage. It's just giving an tovah, saying it's better to keep everything that you own linked to the ktubah. It's the same thing in the ratio with Yavama. It's a, it's a better idea. So the, the Mishnah does not really indicate that you cannot collect it earlier, just saying this is a good idea. Ella Rabbi Abba but Rabbi Abba really is difficult because what does Rabbi Abba say? He says that if a man wants to deal with the property that he inherited when he was Miyabim the wife, he should divorce her. And while she's divorced, he paid her the k'tuba. While she's divorced, he can wheel and deal, do whatever he wants, and then he can marry her back. And that's certainly not something that you would do unless you had to do it. That's not something that's a a, a positive option. Um, So, So the answer is that that Rabbi Ava's um, um, solution is also not problematic, because there we're solving the problem of Eva, which is enmity, simply by the fact that he and she both know what's happening. The divorce is pro forma. She understands that he's doing it so that he will have free access to the property. He'll build it up. And when he marries her back, maybe she doesn't believe him now, but when he remarries her, she'll understand that it was all for benefit of building up a household that she is now reunited with. So we're really not concerned about that, and the divorce won't be won't be such a terrible thing. Okay, now we have a, a story. Gavra. there was a fellow, Pumbadita. in the town of Pumbadita, the town of Rav Yehuda, um, a Yavama fell to him. If you recall from Yevamot, if any one of the brothers gives a get to the Yevama, that's it, she's finished, and nobody can be Miabim. So one brother wanted to be Miabim, another brother was about to give her a get and foul the whole thing up. So the older, the brother who wanted to be Miabim said to the other one, why were you doing that? So the because you you uh, you want to inherit our dead brother's property equally and you don't want me to get all of it? You know what? I'll split the property with you. In other words, let me be Miyabim her back off, let me do Yibum, I'll inherit all the property, and then I promise you half it I'll give to you. Amr of Yosef. So now, what does Rav Yosef say about came to Amr has been since the Rabbanan said that once the Yavam gets the property, he's not allowed to touch it because it's all Achray for the Tuba. Even though this guy goes ahead and gives it or sells it or whatever it is, it's invalid, which means that this guy's statement. While, while it might mollify the other brother and get him to back off and allow this brother to do yibum, once he's done yibum, he doesn't have the right to give half the property away. And since the, since the rabbi said he's not allowed to do it, it's invalid. It's an invalid gift. Let's say a guy dies, he leaves the and he's got $100,000 worth of stuff. Even though her may be a small amount, Lo yimkor, the brothers can't sell anything. Shekol the Because everything that the dead brother bequeathed through Yibum to his Yavam brother is untouchable because it's all linked to the Ktubah, And since you're not allowed to do it, therefore the sale is invalid. Well, that's not always the case. Is it true that every time the rabbi said, you're not allowed to sell something, if you do, it's an, it's an invalid sale? Back on the sixth pair. this is talking about a property that falls to a girl after she's betrothed, before she's married, and she wants to sell it. But Hillel says, you're not allowed to do it. ( toxicity) (smushei) (speaking) (spection) (spection) (speaking) Beit Hillel agrees with Beit Shammai that if she does sell it, it's valid which means here you see a counterexample where the rabbis say you're not allowed to sell but if you do, it's a valid sale so Abai and Rav Rav Yosef student and the teacher have a fundamental disagreement which is that if the Yavam sells any of the property that he got from his dead brother along with the Yibum if he sells it while he's still married to her is that sale valid? Rav Yosef says it's not, Abai says it is so now, shalchul a kamedo papa. So the central chenirav papa said, "What is the halacha?" Shalchak rav yosef. He says the halacha is like rav yosef. The sale's invalid. So I rabbi ato chenirav papi kefi talala. He's so bejeweled, this rabbi. He's uh, the rashke bahag that whatever he says goes. I want another opinion. Shalchul a of rav manyumi beredu rav mannechumi. Sent to another rabbi. Shalchak He sent back a message saying the halacha is like a baye. Now, but he said, but if Rav Yosef has some other uh, ruling that's going to back up his position that the sale is invalid, let me know and I'll reconsider. I'll look at it again. So, what happened? Nafak Rav Yosef, Yosef went out, he looked very carefully and going out in his, his rabbinic idiom for research. He researched, and he looked very carefully, and he found something that seems to support his position, Tanya, Listen to this, Breita, because we're, we're, not, we're not going to hold on to it very long. Here we have an odd pr- position. The, um, the uh, Brother A uh, is coming after Brother B for something he owes him. Brother B borrowed $100,000 from Brother A. Brother A is coming after him, and then Brother A dies. Brother A's got a wife. The wife falls to Brother B. So we have now a curious situation. Brother B owed brother A $100,000, but brother A died and now that debt comes with the wife back to brother B. That's the bright. yavam Brother B cannot now say, since I am inheriting, I now own own the uh the um, the debt. Um but rather, what do we do? We come to the avam. We take a hundred thousand dollars out of his own property, that then comes back into the property of brother A. It then comes back as property that is devoted to the ketuba, because everything brother A owned was Achrail l'ketuba, and since it's money, we use it to buy land, and the land is used for payot, etc., like we've seen over the past few daf. Right, which makes it pretty clear that if his that his his uh his deal afterwards is not is not even a valid deal after the fact. Good. So now uh Abaye. So Abaye said that's not necessarily proof. Dilma Maybe they're just doing him a favor of negotiating it like that, maybe it's not it's not necessary. Tani Motzin. What are you talking about? It said, we take it, the money away from him. You think they're doing him favor? Taking it away from him means it's against his will. And they're taking this, this money away from him. They are putting it back in Brother A's name as a debt that was owed to him. They are then bringing it back with the wife as the Yerusha, but it's now Karka that's coming in, or it's now money that's going to be turned into Karka that's coming in with her. It's Ahre'i for Huktuba. Um, so, you can't argue that they're simply doing a favor. So, as Rav Yumi had asked, if you have another, if Rav Yosef comes up with another proof, send it to me. They sent it to him. Yeah, but we know that that last ruling, I told you we we're going to get rid of it. He said, that's not a valid ruling. It's not a real ruling. It's a mistake. Why? My time. Because Because first of all, you're going to argue that what, what after all did the guy own? The guy owned owed owed money. We then take out money, which is metaltali, and give it back to the name of brother A who's dead, and then it comes back to brother B as part of the shibu L'Ktuba, But metaltali lo mishtabdi L'Ktuba. or metaltali L'Ktuba lo mishtabdi. Up until the times of the Gaonim, metaltalim are not mishtabdi L'Ktuba, except according to Rabbi Meir. She's so gonna say, ah, dilma Meir, so perhaps this breite is of the opinion of Meir. It says, metaltalin armishtabi and that's why all this thing gets tied up to the ketubah. But then there's another reason. The brother B, who's now being miabim, the wife, can say to her, you're not my litigant. I don't have any dealings with you. I had dealings with my dead brother. You're not part of this which means you have no right to now take the money out from me and then bring it back as your own. All right? So then, aha, Dilma Rabi Natan. He, no, perhaps it is because of the Shibuda Dureb Natan, famous halacha of Shibuda Dureb Natan, that says that if A owes B and B owes C, C can go and collect directly from A. So you can argue, since after all the wife is owed money from her, Brother A and Brother A is owed money by Brother B, she can come directly to Brother B and collect it. How do I know that if A owes B and B owes C, A can go collect directly from C? Sorry, C can collect directly from A. Right, in the, in the, uh, in the parshe of Gezel, which turns out to be Gezel Hager, it says that he shall give it to the one whom he owes. Alright, or who is owed. So that, so. We could say that our Braita is a combination of Reb who says, de along with Rabinatan who says that it can pass from the wife to the... So far, sorry, from Brother uh, B to Brother A, who's deceased, through him to the wife that that would make it work. But the reason we're not going to say that is because we don't find any Tana who accepts both of these Chumrot and the to say the Ketubah's reach is so wide that it'll even accept a third party and will reach to Metaltolin. So therefore that brighta is out, and therefore of Yosef's proof and support is gone. Now Ikra o so good. I'm a Rava. Hainu de shamanu lel the a Mishnah. Rava says, now I understand why we want heard this. He said that's not a real Mishnah. I didn't know what he meant. Now Rav Nachman clarified why it's not a Mishnah. It's not a good proof. And indeed, Rava has been defeated, it seems, and therefore, indeed, Rav Yosef has been defeated, and therefore, it seems that we support Abaye, who says that if the uh, that if the husband does sell uh, some of the property that he got from his dead brother even though it was achrei liktuba, that it may be indeed a valid sale. Now we have another story, which follows on the heels of the first one. Uh, now we have another town, Matamachsia, also on the Tigris River, had a fall to him. Again, another brother wanted to invalidate her. He said, what, are you worried about the money? I'll split the money with you. Evidently, there's only two brothers. I'm concerned you're going to do what those tricky time did. In other words, he's referring to the last case where the guy gave up on his uh, attempt to give a get, allowed his brother to do Yibum with the promise that he would then get half the property, and then the rabbis came along and said, You're not allowed to do it. Um, so, Amarle Iboyit pluglach Mihashta. So the brother said, You know what? If you're that concerned, I'll split it with you now. Now, that's a little bit strange, considering that he hasn't been miyad bimher yet, which means he doesn't own the property yet. The property still is waiting to see what its disposition will be. Amar maravashi, avogav d'chiatu avdimia, amar biyokharon. Even though we have that halacha that Rav Dimi brought from Eretz Yisrael, in the name of her biyokharon, haomar l'chaveru leichu m'shoch parazuf. A guy says to another fellow, you be con of this para," Go ahead, do the kinyin on the para. but it will only become yours in 30 days. It works, and in 30 days it becomes the other fellows. Even if in 30 days it's somewhere in the middle of a lake, meaning that it doesn't have to be accessible at the time of the 30 days because the kinion takes place now, which means you can make a kinion for a, a preactive kinion for the future, even though that's the case. In that case it works because, after all, at the time you're making the kinion you own it. But but in this case, it won't work because when the guy is saying to his brother, I'm going to split it from you right now, he doesn't own it now. It's not his to split. So you can't even compare it to that case, which means it cannot be a valid uh, kinyan. But parenthetically, within this issue of the para, we had Rav Dimi's report that Rav Yochanan said it works. Then Ravin came and said, Rav Yochanan says it doesn't work. So That we can settle easily. Is it Rav Dimi's case where he said it works is when the guy said, make the kenyan from now kicking in in 30 days. That means that since right now the para is here and you're taking it, it's a valid kenyan and it kicks in in 30 days. However, if he didn't say miyachshav, then, in 30 days, the cow is somewhere else and there's no Kinyi so it doesn't work. So we don't have necessarily a contradiction, simply two different formulas, one which will work, one which won't work. Nonetheless, let's say the guy was miabem and then he split the property, like we had in the first case, Mahu. So the answer is Lo klum. Chilek V'Chakach Yibem, how about the way it happened in this case, where he first divides it, then does yibum? Lo klum. It's no good in either way. So if in a case where you're and then you divided it, it's no good even though you own the property because it's all l'k'tuba, then certainly, if you divided it before you got it, certainly it's no good. Why are you telling me both halachot? The answer is shnei masim havu. There were two different cases that happened, and they asked Ula independently, unaware of the other question, and that's why it's recorded this way. Now, kiata ravina m'rashlokish. When Ravine came to Bavel, he recorded that Rashlokish had said, All the way down the road, it's not good. And that is indeed the halacha, that whether he agrees before doing yibum that he'll split it with the brothers, or whether he first does yibum and then splits it with the brothers, either way, it's nothing, because all of that property before yibum is not his, and after yibum is in a sense not his, because it's all tied in with the Ktubah. Of course, that's only true if he's miyabim, and it's only true, in which case he gets the property, and it's only true as long as they're married. But if the woman dies, or if he divorces her and pays her the tuba, then of course the rest of the property is his, and if he wants to divide it with his brothers, ma'tov. <clears throat> now, chachamim La lakarka. This goes back to the Mishnah. Chachamim <laughs> said that the perot that are on the karka are shalom. How can you say that the, that the perot that come, uh, from the dead brother, uh, that are all belong to the, the, the yavam? Everything that the dead brother owned is achray L'Ktubat. So rather we should read, and I mentioned when I, when we did the Mishnah about half an hour ago that we would play with the reading of this, um, uh, and we said, so, amr tani the proper reading of it is not Shiloh, but rather shalah, fundamental difference. Now, the next part of the mishnah said, Kinsar reiki Alright, if once he marries her, she's like a regular wife, we have this several times in Machzira that he that once he's been done yibum, now if he wants to, to divorce her, he just divorces her. And that he can remarry her, like any other wife, as long as you're not a Kohen. You can divorce your wife and then marry her back. That's perfectly, perfectly legitimate. Now, Magarsha Pshita, so why are you telling me that big Chiddush, that you can divorce her with a get? So, Vibma might be because the original act is an act of yibum and therefore your entire married life after you've done yibum, she's still a Yivama which means I might think that she still has the status like a Shomer Yavam it may be that you have to give her Chalitza if you want to get rid of her not a Get and therefore he teaches no, once you've done yibum, she's a regular wife and now the course is, is Get so the second I've read a statement which is that you could take her back that's obvious. Mahonatayim a mitzvah. The Ram Allah Yavda. I might think no. After all, remember the the woman is essentially an eruv. She's eisharach. So the Torah says you do a mitzvah yibum. So he did the mitzvah v'yibum. For how to take him alay be isra Maybe the isra eisharach now stands alone. There's no mitzvah to counter it. Kamash Milan that that's not the case. Once you married her, she's ishtole cholavar. You divorce her and you're not a kohen and she doesn't marry anybody in the meantime. You can then marry her back. So, indeed, why isn't it the case that she remains an Esherach? After, after all, remember, let's say that your brother has a wife, and they do have kids, and the brother dies. You can never marry that woman, because she's Esherach. So, how come here, when you've already done the mitzvah of Yibum and then divorced her, you can marry her back? In the pasuk that's on the page, which is the pasuk that we saw so many times in Masachat Yivamot, the opening pasuk of Parshav of Yibum, it says, he shall take her for a wife, Kevin the woman and he takes her is Yifribum, she is Kiishto. Okay, good. And the end of that mission said take ba The one exception, how is she not like a regular wife? In that the Tuba kicks back to the estate of the first husband. My time, why is that? The answer is Ishaiknu Loman Shamaim? Because Shemaim gave him a wife. His brother died, no kids. Right, but let's let's be clear if the first brother's estate is not sufficient or non-existent so it can cover a ketubah then the second brother does have to provide a ketubah because of our same concern that we always have which is it should not be too easy for the man to divorce the wife it's not going to cost him anything therefore there always has to be a ketubah there to sort of keep tempers in check and impulses down now, Loyamarlahektubateh, we had in the third Mishnah, the the end the last Mishnah of the Parak, uh the third in that set, where he should not say to her, Here's your tubah, and uh and and it's on the table, but you know, and hold on to it, but rather he, all everything he owes is achrei, And we said the uh, the same thing applies to a man with his wife. My Vikhain, why does it compare the two? Mahutate Mahatam de I might think that only in the case of a Yavam, where he never wrote a After all, she came to him from his brother. He never wrote a He never wrote, I have put all of my property over to you, etc. And it's all Kanina, But in the case of a regular husband, where he's written such a thing, I might think, I might think that once he gives her and says, here's the lump sum payment, hold on to it, it's yours, that then she will be satisfied, and smichud, her smichudat is a big consideration of uh, the ktubah. I might think that that's good enough, and therefore in the case of a regular husband, he may say to her, there's your ktubah, hold on to it, the mount, no, not the star." kamash milan, that even there you can't do it. Now, Gersha we said at the end of the Mishnah, that if he divorces her, ema el so Gersha So So why does it say that if he divorces her, all she has is the ketubah? The implication is that before he divorces her, she has a claim or hold on all the property. And that supports Rabbi Abba's statement that said that if he wants to wheel and deal on the property, he has to divorce her or make a big meal and make her very, very happy and get her to agree to it. Okay, the very end of the Mishnah said, <laughs> So if he marries her back, all she has is the ktubah. She doesn't now regenerate the claim on all of the earlier property that belonged to her first husband that came across in the Yibum. <laughs> What's that teaching <laughs> If a man divorces wife and brings her back, <laughs> because if a man divorces his wife and then remarries her, she's, he's remarrying her, unless we see differently based on the original k'tubah. So, um, I might think that that would only apply to a regular marriage where he wrote the original Ketubah. But in the case of Yavam, where he never wrote a the original brother wrote it, they never had kids, he died, she comes to, to this fellow, and this fellow divorced her and now wants to marry her, I would say that I might think that now that he he marries her, now he has to supply a ketubah, kamash malan, that it still goes back on the earlier property. So, Amar of ab- Yehuda, This is the history of ketubah, a little bit, is he says, originally, they used to write 200 for a a 100 for an almanah, uh, but not making all of the other property a surety. I already got old and didn't get married. This obviously didn't happen for very long, but because none of the women wanted to get married because they thought, I'll get married, and then the guy's going to lose the ktubah and uh, lose that, pro- that property that he set aside for me, and then I'll be stuck. Ahad Shetach in the first century BC came along and made the Takana. Achra'in Ta. Everything the guy owns is Akhrai to her, her ktubah. Tanya a bright that supports the statement of Rabbi Yehuda. So then they made they there's a there's a stages here. The next stage was that they would take the property and the amount of money for the ktubah and put it in her father's house as a guarantee. So then what would happen is if a husband would get mad, he'd lose his temper and say, Go back to your father's house, go pick up your ktubah. In other words, it was it was like three steps out the door already. <clears throat> so then they made a rule that it should stay in the father-in-law's house or the husband's house. So what happened? So the wealthy women would turn, turn this tuba material into something fancy. The poor ones would make some simple tool out of it, but some they would have it there in the house. What happened is it was right ready made. So if the guy got angry, he'd say, "Yeah, take your basket, take your fancy thing, take your not so fancy thing, and get out of here." So this is the fuller version of Rabbi Huda's history. Is the Rosh Hashanah came along and said that they then they made a takana that they that the uh, man has to write everything I own is achray liktu which means first of all it's going to be a process, it's not going to be so simple, take it and go. Second of all, theoretically, all of his property could be could be in danger here. So he's going to think three times, four times, five times, a million times before he jumps, and that's exactly what we want. We want to make sure that if there ever is a case of divorce, it's one that's been thought out, and that's really right, the right move, and not the result of short tempers <coughs> and, uh, and long anger. In any case, Hadran Isha, we've completed the study of the 8th parak, and in the next podcast, we will begin HaKotei Shto, the ninth parak of Maseche Ketubot. Everybody should have a wonderful day.